0: Hello and welcome back to the Men You Are Not Alone podcast. This is episode 8, which would be part 2 of How Mm -hmm. to Undo a Man. And I'm just going to pick it up where I left off and that was using Mike as an example. Mike's just a made-up person, but he sort of embodies what I see in men and what I have seen in men over the years in trying to help men heal or help them surround them with other men who would help them heal. Not me personally healing them, but just the presence of other men that they trust. So if I go back to Mike, if you didn't listen to the previous one, you might want to listen to that. It'll give you some context. And so when when guys like Mike walk into the group, I like watching them back their way out of the trees because they come in and they are lost in the trees and they can't see the forest for it. But over time, as they start unpacking and basically... Emptying their pockets on the table, their backpack, everything like that, all the junk in their trunk. When they start dumping that on the table, they start backing themselves out of the trees. And it is fantastic to watch them do that. And they start asking questions like, How in the world did I get to this point of hopeless desperation? How did so much of the man I, I am get squished down to the point that I don't even like what I've become? Uh, Why would people I trust not want me to spend even an hour or two a week with a group of men who are helping me get my life sorted out? And then let's see, what's another? Like, how did I give up? How did I get to the point that I gave up my dreams, my goals, my sense of humor and who I genuinely am? I would say those are probably four of the most common questions that I would listen to men voice out loud. And they were rhetorical for them they were in the process of finding the answers to that, to those questions. And that's, they had to back out of the trees to see that so they could get a, a view from above, a view from back, back away. Uh, The really good part is for you men, if you find yourself being, if, if, if our imaginary friend, Mike has similarities to your own journey right now, um, the the good news is, at least based on my experience over a lot of men and over quite a few years now, that um, men eventually answer their own questions, um, which is what brings peace to a man. So he can walk in lost in the trees. Um, as he starts to back out, he's able to identify the issues. He is able to start asking questions to help him in his journey to understand how he got to where he is and where do i go from here because these are the things i need to change and if you will if you will get yourself around the company of other men make a regular and meaningful connection to other men who bring a positive influence into your life who come along beside you, who encourage you along the way, not to carry you because you're also doing it for them. This isn't just about you. This is about the impact of men in the company of men who bring positive influences into their life. And and watching this healing cycle that commences is incredible to watch. And I've been blessed to watch this over and over so many times and I wish it was something that I did. It is not something I do. All I do is create opportunity for men to gather. That's it. And to encourage one another. Um, I've watched man after man after broken man at the end of himself and then witness that tremendous healing power for being in the company of other men um, regularly and meaningfully. Uh, to To bring positive influences into each other's lives. This is not about positive thinking. This is nothing. This is something I don't fully understand it. This is something about the way men are wired. And we are wired to be in the company of other men. It's just the way it is. So if we condition men, like our culture. So if our, if our culture conditions men, that we don't require a connection to other men, the more I thought about this as I was drafting my book, I actually didn't draft it. I just typed it in a flurry. You know, I typed it so fast. But this is an ideal way to undo men. To undo a pillar in your culture really, maybe the, maybe one of the biggest pillars you need to undo to take control of a nation. I don't know. there's a, there's always been a lot of diabolical and evil schemes, a lot of evil devices set against the well-being of the people in general. And this is an easy way, really just creating isolation. That in and of itself starts storms in men's lives, which does start storms in women's lives. It starts storms in children's lives. Um, so once men had taught me that... As I looked at them and, I, and I, I started realizing what was a symptom and what wasn't. And I had been focused on symptoms for years with men. And I, I slowly learned because I'm slow. I'm a slow learner. I'm dense. So it takes a while. But learning that when it came down to it, I could only trace down one real issue all of the symptoms that men walk through the doors with that i meet men on my job site just men in general they all come back to a singularity which was isolation from men who bring positive influences into their lives that's where it started it is from that 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 fruit was born that was the bloom point right there in their lives So when I saw this, just the way my mind works, I started immediately asking the question, why? Why is this the case? Um, Why is this isolation? First of all, why is it there? And second of all, how is it so powerful? How does it do what it does? And so I see these, I, 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 it was just as I sat and I reflected back over the years and over the men and their journeys. And I, I started taking notes and like writing down patterns that I saw in, in different men's lives. I just thought of one of, one after the other as they had passed through my life. And it, there was that mind, that that destructive feedback mindset was... It was common in almost all of those men. And I couldn't dismiss that as coincidence. It it was a recognizable pattern. And then this isolation from regular and meaningful connection to other men. It, it was just, it was pervasive. And so... I'm going to wander around for just a second here, but I have to do this to provide a little bit of context. And that context is another pattern I've seen, which also, this is the way it just unfolded for me. So I, I see people, I see men after men after men. When I, it was like an aha moment for me when I realized that it is that absence of connection, meaningful and regularly. To other men. And then so I started asking. Well why is that the case? And I went back. And I, I, I thought through. Not only the men in the past. The men on my job sites. The men who were still in the group currently. And then men I'm still meeting to this day. They're still. They just keep coming. As this culture just keeps. Cranking out more and more broken men. That. I don't know. It's just what I do. Um, there was always this, con- not always, I don't want to say a word like always. In men who did not have a regular and meaningful connection to other men who bring a positive influence into their lives, the majority of them, an overwhelming majority of them, had a, what I labeled as a driver in their lives. Not a computer driver or something like that, but a driver. And the drivers are are where it started getting kind of weird to me. They were people who were um like people who were the impetus, the catalyst for these men finding themselves completely disconnected from other men, having no regular and meaningful connection to other men in a positive uh who, you know, bringing positive influences into their lives. The driver, there was a driver behind it. And it's kind of like sometimes you see patterns that are so distinctive. They're large enough and they're so precisely symmetrical. They're they're so similar that you look at it and you're like, there's no way that's coincidental. That is not random. Uh, These drivers, they seem to know what they're doing. Uh, They seem, well, they just seem to know what they're doing, which to me spoke of some intention. And this is just a journey. This is over time as this is unfolding in my head. This was not the way my worldview was. It is observation and experience that has shaped. I've tried to let the observation dictate what I saw. So they seem to know what they're doing to me, suggesting intention, Um, even creepier is that these drivers don't know each other. They don't run in the same circle, but they're behaving and they're doing in unison. And that to me spoke of coordination. So I was seeing coordination, possibly, I mean, not possibly, to me, it spoke of coordination and intention. And that, that sort of rocked my world. Years ago, back when I cowboyed for a living, um, anytime that we had to treat an injured bull or a steer, um, you if you've never worked around bulls or steers, uh, by themselves, a bull or a steer is, they're pretty docile. They're actually not aggressive. Um, every once in a while, you get one that's full of piss and vinegar. But for the most part, um, I mean, most of them were, they were no more spooky than my horse was my little tubby buckskin named Pete. Um, so if we wanted to work on a bull, but but a lot of times bulls, if you put them, like steers will kind of tend to gather around each other. Um, bulls, it, it wasn't so common. Anyway, but if if you needed to work on a bull or a steer, you really had to get them away from everybody, away from all the rest of the herd. And if if they were together... They possessed a strength that surpassed their numbers. Like, you did not want to start trying to grab a steer out of a group of, especially, not, I mean, a yearling's one thing, but you start messing with some of the older ones. And if there's 15 or 20 of them together, they may decide to pound you into the dust. Um, so, you had to isolate them. And there's no, uh, there's a horse, you know, I mean, there's a horse. Uh, Yeah, You can tell this is really scripted. So anyway, horses are different than, than cows. So a horse possesses a strength, and it's a spirit inside themselves. Like, they don't need numbers. They just are stout of mind and spirit. And if you've never worked around horses, you won't have a clue what I'm talking about. If you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there is no better tool that was ever designed for isolating individuals from a herd or driving them than a horse. They're perfect. Um, and the odd thing is that while horses like you, you, you take one horse into a herd of 200, it doesn't matter. It could be bulls, cows, doesn't matter. Um, that horse walks in, that horse walks in as the king, the ruler. He is the fiercest warrior on the battlefield. And it's this power that a horse radiates. And the odd thing is that while these horses radiate this sense of power and command of steers and bulls, that power exists only because the steers and the bulls and the other cows choose to believe it exists. It really doesn't exist. The horse can't do anything. I mean, I would not. I mean, if a lot of those bulls that that I would have to move aside or get him around into a into a uh, squeeze chute or something, or at least get him somewhere where we can kind of hold him still a little bit, so that we could treat a wound or something like that. Those things are the size of, I mean, they're the size of pickup trucks. I mean these guys, these guys were powerhouses, and I know like my horse that I rode, Pete, um, he wouldn't have stood a chance if that bull wanted to just ramrod him, just slam him into the fence but the bulls were always terrified of Pete and there was something in that in Pete's eyes that just said, don't screw with me. And, and it's an illusion. Uh, that power, it was illusory and it only existed as long as the steers and bulls believed it existed. So as much as I love horses and I hate to use them in that way as an illustration, (laughs) it's all I got at the moment. Um, But the same way that a horse has an innate ability to intimidate and drive an entire um, herd or isolate a single steer or bull from the herd, so does the driver who drives a man from regular and meaningful connection to other men who bring a positive influence into their lives. And that is what that reminded me of. It was the way I worked a herd with Pete reminds me it was way too much of a similarity to how the drivers work men to isolate them. And after seven years in, in my men's group of watching drivers herd men away from each other in nearly identical fashion year after year, there was just way too much consistency in their actions, their behavior. Um, and it, was, it was, the more I thought about it, the more it was something that could not be of the physical realm. Yeah. <sighs> They do the same things, so they don't know each other, but they do the same things. The drivers do. They say the same things. They make the same moves against men, not just here in the U.S., but as I started like looking more into that world, looking into that subject, thinking, okay, well, what if I look and listen to men outside the U.S.? Let's see what they're saying. And in men uh, in Scandinavia, the U.K., India to Australia, um. I listened in man after man after man relaying the same story that other men that I've been watching take place in the United States. And then I noticed particularly in Australia and India, even the women were seeing this happening so obviously that they were starting to become a voice for men, saying like defending men and wanting them to, to commune together, to... Have regular and meaningful connection together to act manly, to be stuff. There was it. I'm not the only one who noticed it. There's people all over the world who noticed it. So, this I'm, I mean, I did see it without somebody else leading me to it, but thankfully, I'm not the only person who sees it. And there is a growing body of people who have noticed this in men all around the world. And we've all noticed that the drivers almost verbatim. They use the same coordinated attack against men that I've been watching take place here in the U.S. And I'm going to cut that off right here before I go off the rails, because I'm going to go off the rails on the next one. So you want to stick around and watch me put my foot in my mouth for the next one. Uh, That one will be your absolute best opportunity to, to see it and to hear it. And I appreciate you listening. This is the conclusion of episode eight for the Men You Are Not Alone podcast. And I'm Justin O'Quinn and I appreciate you listening and I hope you have a fantastic day.